Hello and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 93. Thanks for listening. Welcome back everybody. Hope your fall is going swimmingly. If you're in the northern parts of the U.S., you have snow right now. <laughs> Sorry, that's not that funny. I'm not a huge snow fan, even though I've lived in the Midwest all of my life. I dread winter every year because snow is, let's be honest, pain in the ass. The only time snow is cool is on Christmas Eve, once you're safely uh, ensconced in your house with the beverage of your choice. Christmas Day, for the same reason, you know, under the same circumstances. And if you're a skier or a snowboarder or something, and only for that period of time when you're actually doing those activities. Any other time, Snow is just a big jerk, in my opinion. That's right, I'm calling out snow on this podcast. But, where I live, we didn't get any snow yet. We will, I imagine, uh, eventually. But not yet. It was really cold yesterday, though. Like, get out the winter coats, kind of cold, even though it's not even Halloween yet. But, you know, I'm still here. I survived the first cold day of the year, of the season, and I live to tell the tale. And bring you yet another podcast. Alright, so what's going on with you guys? Not a whole lot of news to talk about here. Uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm After I'm done recording this, I'm going to a flea market. Um, I'm, since I started doing this podcast, I've kind of taken to going to flea markets uh, to look for Atari stuff. I don't frankly see the flea markets I go to. There, there is usually something, uh, although not a lot of somethings. Um... There's usually a guy there who is pretty reliably has a nice, small, but a uh, nice variety of uh, loose Atari carts. Um, although I think, I don't think he was there last time I went. But I got there kind of late in the day and people were packing up. I might have just missed him. I picked up a missile command uh, in box uh, one time. I saw, but didn't buy, an Atari Jaguar in box. I think they wanted $500 for it. And shockingly, my wife didn't want to give me $500 to do it. So, you know, I go look at that stuff, see if there is any Atari stuff. I look for those wooden crates that you put uh, pop bottles in, because I use those to store my loose carts. Um, I look for Doctor Who stuff, of course. I keep looking, but I have never actually seen out in the wild, like, and I don't know specifically what I'm looking for, but like vintage Atari art. I mean, I, I know you can get the boxes and you can get the manuals and stuff, and if you want, you can get... You can go on Amazon and get a t-shirt with the Atari logo on it. But I'm thinking more in terms of vintage stuff from back in the day. Shirts, maybe signage from store displays or something. You know, that kind of thing. But I never really see that out in the wild. Uh, and I don't know if you guys have had a different experience. I don't know if any of you guys really collect. Mostly, you know, when I look on social media and stuff, people are talking about the games themselves. I don't hear people talk much about the art and the, the merchandise surrounding the games. And I kind of have my eye out for that kind of stuff. So... Uh, if you guys know a good line to pick up, that kind of thing, uh, other than flea markets, let me know. I got a little bit of feedback from Sean, hi Sean, about episode 91, Space Jockey. Uh, the timing when this came in, I couldn't get it into the episode that dropped today, uh, episode 92. Today is Sunday as I'm recording episode 93. Episode 92 dropped this morning, Frankenstein's Monster, but this response, this comment from Sean I didn't get in time to put in that episode. He observes, as I did... Well, he's picking up on what I observed, which is basically, I, I was grousing about, the game was Space Jockey, 
but you're in, uh, I, as I recall, a you stole a flying saucer from the alien invaders, and they are attacking you in return, not with other flying saucers, which would make sense, but with, like, planes and tanks and hot air balloons. That last one just makes me think of the Doctor Who episode, The Next Doctor, when this guy who appears to be the next doctor introduces the previous doctor to his TARDIS, which uh, is a hot air balloon. You know, mild spoiler for uh, anyone who hasn't seen the episode yet. Uh, but that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. So, uh, first Sean mentions, uh, I was playing the game on my 7800. Oh, by the way, update. My 2600, working again. I got a new AC adapter. I was getting ready to plug it in. And I thought, eh, maybe I'll try to plug the other old adapter in uh, again and just see what happens. And I did. And even though I had fiddled with the wires when it broke the first time, uh, fiddling with the wires that day, uh, the day that I tried this again, uh, brought the thing back to life. I used it today to play fast food, as a matter of fact. So that's good news by itself. The other good news, I guess, is I have a backup AC adapter for when it does die. But uh, at the moment, I have a fully functional Atari 2600. But the day that I played Space Jockey, I was playing it on the 7800. And I made some comment about... I was looking at the difficulty switches, and I couldn't readily see which one was novice and which one was expert, or whatever, however the 7800 refers to them. Sean helpfully points out for me that 7800 difficulty switches function opposite of how they do on the 2600. A or up equals right, B or down equals left. I'm looking at my 2600 right now, and yeah, so you got, it's hard to read, and I'm old. So you got A for expert, B for novice, A on the left, B on the right, obviously. And I guess, because I never really paid much attention to the difficulty settings when I played the 7800, because that's how I roll. Um, so uh, so he, he is just letting me know. Uh, it's opposite. So thanks for that, Sean. And then as far as the game, he writes, Why are you shooting at planes and helicopters if you're playing in space? With two question marks. Well, Sean says, was it said that it's actually the vacuum of outer space as opposed to just space in general? As in the geometric definition of space? Oh, well, I don't know. This is one game that's been in my collection for a while, but never played. I need to get with it. Well, as far as getting with it, Sean, um, you probably got better things you could do with your time. You could play the game I did the week after this, Frankenstein's Monster, for example. You could play the game we're talking about today. Spoiler. Fast food. On Facebook, when I saw this post, I responded with some sort of metaphysical thing about how the game ex does exist in a space, and, you know, just as he and I do, or do we, maybe the universe inside the game is real and we are the game, and then I told him to go play the game because you can smell the oatmeal all over it. U.S. Games made that one, uh, and they also made fine, wholesome breakfast food, so, so, you know, they got that going for them too. But he does make a good point. I don't have the game up in front of me right now, but I guess as I recall, the gameplay plays out not necessarily in outer space, right? You know, there's not a star field behind you. It does kind of look like Earth or, or planetary landscapes. So I guess it makes some sense. You know, you're down on the planet, so the aliens are commandeering transport to fight back with on the planet. But... From a military strategy standpoint, it makes if the aliens were uh, technologically advanced enough to come here with weapons, because the ship you stole has weapons on them, 
why don't they just use their weapons? It'd be a lot more efficient because obviously a tank maybe is a, uh, a worthy opponent for another tank, but a tank not a worthy opponent for a flying saucer. So, I don't know. It bugs me. It almost, but not quite, bugs me on a logic level uh, to a degree that rivals perhaps, dare I say it, Amadar. Alright. Well, thank you for the comment, Sean. Uh, I don't know that we really resolved anything. I hope you have played Space Jockey by now. Although, if you did, I imagine you're just regretting losing uh, that portion of your life. Uh, I'm being a little hard on Space Jockey. It actually wasn't that bad. If you disagree with me, let me know. Alright, moving on. This week's game is... Fast Food. From Telesis, 1982. How do we play Fast Food? Well, we get some food and we go very, very, very fast. I'm looking at uh, the manual, and the first thing I'm struck with is the cover of the manual is very colorful. We're promised game instructions and calorie chart. Uh, and let's put a pin in that, the calorie chart thing. We'll come back to that in a minute. It's a very 80s cover, the fonts for fast food and the look of it. It strikes me, well, honestly, the, the uh, font they, they use for the fast food logo uh, looks to me a lot like the font that they used for the 1980s version of the Doctor Who logo, because my brain tends to drift to Doctor Who in most things. But the cover, but it also overall kind of strikes me as uh, looking like the covers of the 1980s paperback editions of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series, because that would have been around the time that I was reading those. None of those have anything to do with the game fast food, but that's where my brain goes. So the cover has. <clears throat> You know, the, the very the, the luscious, full, mighty mouth lips that look looks a lot like the the iconic Mick Jagger lips logo. Uh, you got a hot dog, a hamburger, the purple pickles, french fries, that kind of thing. And they're all kind of rushing towards you as the mouth is sort of placed awkwardly. Not in a... awkwardly smiling at you rather than trying to catch the food. The manual says, stuff yourself. Burgers, fries, shakes, pizzas, flying by at sub-gastronomical speed, which I don't think is really a physics thing. You and Mighty Mouth have to catch them if you can. The higher the calorie count, the better your score. The more calories you consume, the faster the food flies. But beware the purple pickles. Catch too many and your binge is over. No matter how much you eat, you'll never gain a pound. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Because if there's nothing uh, the kids in the 1980s worried about more, it was counting calories. Am I right? that and uh, refinancing their mortgages and uh, finding a good retirement community. That's all the kids were worried about back in the day. The object of the game is to get fatter. Alright. Consume as many calories as you can before you get your fill of purple pickles and the snack bar closes. Fast food preparation. Play with one or two players using the joystick controllers. Uh, tells you how to load the game. Begin to binge. Press game reset. For two person game Press game select button and then reset. Push the red button and your feast begins. Use the joystick controller to move Mighty Mouth up and down, forward and back. When Mighty Mouth comes in contact with any food item on the screen, he eats it. It's your job to keep him away from the purple pickles. Green ones are fine. I'm going to uh, object to that. Green pickles are disgusting, vile uh, abominations upon humanity. And they, along with um, things like racism and anything that has to do with Miley Cyrus should be banned. 
before I get angry letters from the hordes of Miley Cyrus fans in my audience, uh, because I know there's a huge crossover between the Atari Bytes audience and the Miley Cyrus audience, um, please note, I am kidding. She's very talented. She works very hard. I get it. I'm a 40-something dude, and her music is probably not for me, but it does not mean it is bad music. This week's episode sponsored by Miley Cyrus. Anyway, what was I talking about? Okay, so the next section of the manual says getting fatter. You and Mighty Mouth will need a, a breather once in a while. The food stops coming and you get fatter. I don't think I get that. When you're done chewing, push the red button. The barrage begins again, and fast food goes faster. Eat anything you can catch, but don't get purple pickles. They'll hang around at the top of the screen, giving you a bad case of heartburn. Click six, and you'll have to burp. Call it quits. The game's over. Helpful hints. The food flies totally at random each game. There are no patterns and no safe spots on the screen. So the helpful hint, I guess, is that they can't help you? But then it says, remember, there's no penalty for missing food, it'll slow, but it'll slow down your scoring. To get the best scores, go after the higher value items. And then they give you, this is where the calorie chart comes in. Of course, what you eat is just as important as how much you eat. Here are the calorie counts for your favorite fast food. It ranges from one for a, pick, a green pickle, three for root beer, four for a cola, five for a soda pop. I feel like they're really splitting hairs here. Uh, five for a hot dog, six for a hamburger, seven for an ice cream bar, seven for a milkshake, nine for an ice cream cone, ten for french fries, ten for pizza, and twenty for a cheeseburger. In the two-player games, players alternate every time the you're getting fatter sign comes down. The next player pushes the red button on the joystick controller to start his turn. Play continues until both players have burped out. I totally want a t-shirt now that says, I just burped out. The first player's score is shown in gold, the second in purple. The highest score for the series of games is shown in white. The score is erased when the game is turned off or removed from the game console. And that, in a deep-fried nutshell, is how you play fast food. Fast food was written by Don Ruffcorn. Eh, he's got corn in his name. That doesn't actually mean anything, but I'm a podcaster and I'm desperate to find links to uh, connections between anything that I can connect. Fast Food received a Certificate of Merit in the category of Most Humorous Home Arcade Game at the 4th Annual Archie Awards. In a 19, er, excuse me, in a 2002 review, the Atari Times noted that Telesis sure published some bizarre games for the Atari 2600 and 1982's Fast Food is no exception. They refer to it as one of the oddest games for the 2600, but also a heck of a lot of fun easy to learn, and practically anyone old enough to pick up joystick can join in the action. Gives a little summary of how you play the game. It's easy for even small children to figure out and do well, but the game starts out easy and gets hard in a hurry. The graphics are sparse, but drawn quite well. Mr. Mouth is an amusing little character, rather resembling a red Pac-Man with a much larger detailed mouth and huge lips. I gotta take uh, issue with that. In the Atari version that I'm playing, Mr. Mouth looks more like, perhaps, a red Pac-Man after being run over by a semi-truck. He's pretty creepy looking. The review notes that there's not much sound. You get some bleeps and bloops, but that's about it. It's not great, but serviceable. As for actual gameplay, the standard Atari joystick works very well. For this, control is pretty darn precise, which is necessary at higher levels. Speaking of those levels, the food flying across the screen starts flying very rapidly. There are times when the player will only see a purple pickle when it's too late to avoid it. How many times in life have we all been um, surprised by a purple pickle. Man, if I had a dollar. This simple, fast-paced title has remained enjoyable to me for years. 
While the cartridge isn't very common, finding it for a good price at a decent online auction site, uh, such as eBay, or your local supplier of classic video games, shouldn't prove too difficult. Alright, so that's fast food. I think it's time for the field report. Let's wrap an napkin around our necks, loosen our belts, and after the break, do we give two Fs about fast food? Take a number and proceed to the pickup window to find out. Don't forget to leave a tip. Immortal words of Weird Al Yankovic. Eat it. Just eat it. So, fast food is, for all its simplicity, an interesting game. Uh, graphics are pretty sharp, lots of nice color. The stuff, for the most part, looks like what it's supposed to be, right? You got burgers and fries. Ice cream bars, soda, chips. Um, the other thing that's disturbing is the uh, Mighty Mouth itself. The picture on the on the uh, manual, the, the cover art, and I'm guessing the arcade version. I've never actually played the arcade version. Uh, Mighty Mouth looks like you know basically the the iconic Mick Jagger lips kind of thing. Um, in the Atari port, however, Mighty Mouth just looks like some sort of... His mouth just sort of looks like some sort of shredded tissue maw of uh, evil, just sucking things in. If I look like that, I would be worried more about going to see the doctor than, you know, hitting the drive-thru. While I was talking, I ate all my purple pickles, by the way. Uh, so let's try this again. As far as the game at play itself, it's fun. It is a challenge. Um, the first couple times I played this game, I didn't have the manual. I just kind of sat down and played it. I didn't quite catch on that eating all those purple pickles was what was ending the game for you. Uh, I get it now. That does add an extra little level of challenge to what is otherwise a pretty repetitive game. Now the screen just told me I'm getting fatter. Well, thank you for that. You and the guy, J.C. Penny, uh, have a lot in common. Alright. Um, so the gameplay moved pretty quick. Uh, I like how the, uh, the action speeds up after a while, because like I said, this is a pretty repetitive game. And I'm getting fatter again. Well, I am American. It's what we do here in America. Indulge in my last purple pickle. Don't indulge in purple pickles, kids. Back to you in the studio.
Everything is food, as we know from Wimpy's theme from the 1980 Popeye movie soundtrack. It's actually not called Wimpy's theme, the song you just heard. It's called, literally, Food, Food, Food. We, as humans, like food. We like good food. But even more than good food, we like food fast. But here's the thing. In 1983, when this game came out, we all knew fast food was bad for you. But I don't feel like we necessarily cared as much about it. I mean, fast food's still a thing that we consume way too much of. And in that category, I'm lumping, you know, fries and burgers and uh, soda and candy and all that stuff. But we're a bit more aware, at least on the surface, that, hey, this stuff isn't good. I wonder if a game like fast food could be made and sold today. I feel like if it was it would come with some sort of public service message to it, right? The goal of the game wouldn't be to consume all this food. It would somehow be to cut calories. Maybe you start out with a certain score, a certain number of calories, and you have to, the strategy in the game is to cut those calories somehow. Dodging the uh, cheeseburger to eat the uh, the salad or something. I don't know. Fat jokes are have, have always been, probably always will be around. But in the 1980s, we loved a good fat joke. And there are fat jokes aplenty 
in this game, right? The whole premise of the game is you're getting fatter. It literally says it on the screen. And I just don't feel like you would market a game like that to kids today. Childhood obesity epidemics and all of that. Having said all that, my kids think this game is great. Uh, my kids are not fat, for the record. But I think even if they were, they would think it was just a fun game. I don't think they're sitting there thinking about uh, the calories. They're thinking about this is just a silly game where you're this giant mouth catching food. And I'm fine with that. I don't need a message game. I don't want necessarily a new version of fast food where it's all about the PSA for not getting fat, which is important, but I don't need it in my Atari game. The graphics in the game are kind of fun. Uh, I talked about Mighty Mouth and how he looks kind of creepy on screen. That's the only disappointing part for me in this Atari version. Uh, I've never played the arcade version, uh, so I don't know what that looked like. I've never played any other version other than this one. So I can't really compare. So it's kind of cute. My kids like it. But for the uh, seasoned player like me, the gameplay does get kind of repetitive. Um, you get the, uh, the the gimmick pretty quick. And uh, it's just kind of you know, more of the same after that. Uh, oh, and for the record, um, I'm in my 40s. When I was a kid, you know, the age of the, the demo for this game... I never played as a kid, but I was in that age uh, age group. To, I was playing Atari games when this game came out. And when I was a kid, a standard lunch for me was slabs of cheddar cheese on Wonder Bread with Cheetos on the side. And dessert would be one of several hostess options. Either a Twinkie, usually, or a Suzy Q, or a Ding Dong, or a Ho-Ho. I wasn't so much into the snowballs or the fruit pies. Why would I want a fruit pie? There's fruit in it. All of that that I enjoyed from my lunch was washed down with cherry Kool-Aid. Orange would be an acceptable alternative. And hey, that's fruit, right? Man, it's a wonder I'm not obese and or diabetic now. And that kind of gets back to the point I, I was making, right? Back in the day, we knew, you know, about... Obviously, we knew about calories. We knew about nutrition. We knew things that were healthy and things that were not, for the most part. But, you know, when I was the age, you know... When this game came out, my parents... Uh, smoked constantly. They were getting close to quitting at that point, but, you know, in the early 80s, they still smoked constantly, and I ate cheddar cheese and Cheetos and Twinkies for lunch every day, and that's what made me the man I am today. So, I don't know. If you guys have any thoughts, it, you know, it's not often that an Atari game brings up issues of political correctness and, you know, what role video games have to play a public service especially games that are targeted to kids. But fast food seems like one of those games. So if you guys have thoughts on this, about fast food specifically and about the role of video games now, as far as talking to kids, versus what the role of video games was then, in the 80s, as far as talking to kids, uh, let me know. I think it's an interesting conversation to have. Maybe I'll give it some thought. Maybe it's something that we could devote an episode to at some point. I'll have to make a note of that. I'll do that right now. Talk amongst yourselves. Alright, well, this week's game inspired in me a stirring commentary. A message for the ages, a story of greed 
and compulsion and addiction. I hope you enjoy it. He was a hard-headed man. He was brutally handsome. And she was terminally pretty. She picked him up. And he held her for ransom. With a fistful of coupons aplenty. He had a nasty reputation as a vegan dude. They said he ate veggies. Lots of fruit too. But they had one thing in common. They loved a good burger. She'd say, faster, faster. They also got a huge frankfurter. Life on the fast food. Surely make you lose your mind. Life on the fast food. Are you with me so far? Eager for bacon. And stuff cooked on a flame. Chocolate menu items. And drinks with whipped cream. They knew all the right food courts. They trolled all the right grills. They staked out the bakeries. They smelled heavenly smells. There were red vines on the mirror, lemon lime on her face. She pretended not to notice. She was caught up in the race. Out every evening, until it was light. He was too gassy to make it. She was too nauseous to fight about it. Life on the fast food surely make you lose your mind. Life on the fast food. Life on the fast food. All the eats, all the time. Life on the fast food. Greasy and farty, sweet tea quenching the thirst. They didn't see the diabetes, took a turn for the worst. She said, listen baby, you can hear fry and onion rings. We've been up and down this strip mall, haven't seen a dong the dings. He said, call the doctor, I think it's a sugar crash. The doctor ain't a coming, Trump turned healthcare to ash. They went rushing down that off-ramp, messed around at DQ and got lost. They didn't care they were just dying to get off, and it was life on the fast food. Surely make you lose your mind. Life on the fast food. Life on the fast food. All the eats, all the time. Life on the fast food. Life on the fast food. Life on the fast food. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod and IntomProtect.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Pinball Spring, and Take a Chance. Show notes are available at ataribytes.lipson.com. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can like the show on our Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And in a bold leap into 2010, Atari Bytes is now on Instagram. You can find Atari Bytes on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play Music, on and on and on. But don't forget, wherever you choose to get your podcast, to head over to iTunes, roll on through the drive-thru, and order a double quarter pounder review of this show. Be nice to the show, and the choice of fries or onion rings is your call. Also, you can support the show financially on our Patreon page, or by picking up Atari Bytes merchandise at Zazzle.com. Our store is capital A, capital B, underscore pod, underscore store. And there's a bunch of new stuff in there. Uh, bags, and uh, shirts, and stickers, and on and on and on. Uh, coffee mugs, of course. Uh, go check that out. And if you have time, go check out my other show as well. It's called It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. And fulfills your monthly requirement 
of anything related to Snoopy, Charlie Brown, Linus, the whole Peanuts gang. It's all there for you with new episodes on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes. Squeeze box. Yep, that's a thing we're going to do. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.